Welcome to the Renaissance Podcast, and thank you for joining with us to worship and learn more about God. We are so excited to have you be a part of this week's service. For more podcasts and services from past weeks, or to join us online on Sunday mornings, check out the Church at Home page at rendicator.org. Now, enjoy the message. Good morning. Good morning. How you guys doing? Happy fall. Happy fall. I woke up this morning and I was like, looking for some rock salt to put on the sidewalks because it's a little chilly. Don't want to be slipping on any ice out here. Oh, you didn't get up that early because you're at the 11. Okay, I see you. I see you. But I was up that early and it was cold. It was cold. Um, but it's fall. Anybody love and fall? Love and fall? Yes. Yes, it's a lovely season. That's my wife's favorite. So there's, she's here. She's right there. There's pumpkins everywhere. Uh, I like I like pumpkins. I do like all things pumpkins. Moving up here from Texas, um, it's, uh, it's great because there's actually a fall season. You know, in Texas, there really wasn't. It's just kind of an extended summer and then, then a little bit of winter, but, uh, but not a cold winter. So, but there was really no fall, right? So there, there was a whole lot of stuff that happens in the Midwest that doesn't happen in Texas around this time of year. Or it happens and you're like, oh, why am I sweating? So this is like great weather. It's a great fall. Get the pumpkins. Um, I, love, I love pumpkin in my pie, but not in my coffee, Any, anybody, or anything else. Just put it in my pie, but keep it out of everything else, like pumpkin spice everything. You can just go away. Don't pervert it. It's just perverted pumpkin is what it is. Wait, that's not what I, that's what I said. It's not what I'm... See, off notes. Okay. All right. But, uh, so a couple of months ago, uh, Jen and I celebrated our 20th year anniversary. Yeah. Yes. Uh, any, anybody more than 20 years? Yes. Congrats. 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 It doesn't mean things are going good, but I'm just saying congrats anyway. Like, right? Like, you're just sticking in there. Um, but no, I pray, pray that it's, it's going great for you guys. It's one of the best, one of the, yeah, yeah, it's the second, like the second best decision I've ever made in my life. So uh, she's second to Jesus, just so you know. Um, so Jesus is kind of a big deal, um, but she's, she's right up there. Um, so we, we went on this trip. It was this 20-hour road trip in two and a half days. So that was our, us celebrating our 20th year anniversary. And this is us in the mountains, in the Blue Ridge Mountains. This is us, I guess. Yep, uh, Smokies, Blue Ridge, that, that's, our, that's where we met. We met in Virginia in the mountains, but this is uh, North Carolina, I believe, a little, little pull-off. And uh, just, uh, just a great, great time. Like, you know, like marriage is going pretty well when you can take a 20, you know, spend 20 hours in the car in two and a half days. And um, the, the second part of that trip, though, was uh, picking up a puppy. So we had some friends in North Carolina, yes, and they do the, the golden doodles. Anybody golden doodle? You got some? You got one? Yes. So we wanted a golden doodle, but we're, we wanted, basically we wanted a retriever. Like we wanted a golden retriever that didn't shed. So they have this thing where they can breed uh, a, a, a retriever with a poodle and get it to where it's like a, a flat coat. So it, it doesn't look like the, like they have the curly things and uh, the, the, te- the way they call them, teddy bear or something like that. And they're, they're, real, they're poof balls, and they're, they're cute for other people. Um, but I, I really wanted one that looked like a, a golden retriever. So that is our, oh, just look at the, the hair, the eyes, just gorgeous. 
And the puppy's not bad either. Like, uh, like the puppy's kind of cute too. But so, so we go down, we grab this puppy, and it's eight weeks old, and, and that's the, uh, the dual purpose of the trip. And, and um, uh, you know, we lo- love the mountains and everything, but the, the, uh, the golden doodle, it was uh, an intentional decision, right? It's, it's that cross between that, that poodle, and it's a, a cross between that, that retriever, and it gives us the, the golden doodle. But uh, it was very much intentional because we wanted that, that flat coat. Um, and by the time, by about around this time next year, uh, we'll be having some uh, puppies, so if anybody else wants a, a golden doodle, uh, I'm going to na- name the puppies. Um, this one's going to be Scholarship, then we're going to have uh, Grant, and we're going to have uh, Room and Board over there. We got, there's going to be the cutest puppies in the world. We've got six kids going to be paying for some college, so if you'd like to support a family in Illinois and, and help pay for their college and get a beautiful golden doodle puppy, shameless plug. Um, but as much as we like it, this dog, it's, it's, not, it's not a poodle, right? Uh, and it's not, no matter how much I love golden retrievers, it's not a golden retriever. It's neither. It's, it's an expensive mutt, right? It's, it's a crossbreed. It's not a purebred. It's not AKC. Like the, none of them. I'm like, man, people are dropping some cash on dogs that aren't, like, registered. Like, they're not, they're, they're, they're intentional mutts. And, like, we, we got a great puppy, and I, uh, but, it, you know, I, I'm looking up retriever, and that's what I want. Like, it's devoted. It's loyal, right? It's, it's, it's playful, right? It's a family dog, and that's, so I want the retriever. And then, then you got the poodle. It's, like, super intelligent, and, like, I'm looking up the characteristics, and one of them said mischievous, like, mischievous, like, and we got that one. Like, that's, that, that one jumped over. But it's a puppy, so our puppy is kind of like that. But one, one actually said ridiculous. Like I think we got a, a little bit ridiculous, um, definitely, uh, when they were describing their poodles. So uh, that one, uh, right now, at this point, is a little bit of that dog. But super smart, so we're, we're loving, this, uh, loving this puppy. But it was intentional, and our preference was that we wouldn't uh, uh, you know, have all the shedding of that, that uh, golden retriever. They, they, they shed a lot. Right? And so we didn't want the shedding, um, but how often do we do that with, with Jesus? We do that with the church. Like we, we don't really want purebred Christianity. We want the things that are mm, a little more palatable. Right? It seems really difficult to, to shed myself daily, right? deny myself, pick up my cross, die daily. That's, this it seems like something like, ah, do you got anything in a little more of a flat coat? Like that was... That's kind of more of what I'm, I'm looking for. But, uh, you know, th- th- to love others as Christ loved us. Whew, okay. Um, we got something that's hypoallergenic. Like I'm looking for, for something a little more, uh, you know, less, uh, less abrasive, like to my nostrils. Like it's a, just a thing. It's a thing I got. Um, but we, so we, we do that mix. So like we, mi- we mix in a little bit here and a little bit there. And we dilute the Christian walk. And then we, sometimes we'll complain. It's, it's not, it's not working. Like, I tried Jesus. I tried Christianity, and it's just, it's just not working. Uh, but what we tried is a golden doodle faith, right? We tried this, this mix, this blend, and, and so we've stripped away the things that maybe are a little uncomfortable and maybe things we don't want, and we've, we've picked up, and we're really great at picking up stuff and adding it to the church and adding it to Jesus and adding it, and, and it's, it's not at all what he intended. So I need, uh, 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 we desperately need, not what is uh, a hypoallergenic faith. Uh, what we need is a faith that is that um, hypostatic union. So I'm going to explain a little bit of what the hypostatic is. It's one of the coolest theological terms. 
All right, it sounds like it could be a pretty great band name. They're going to be playing at the Devon here next weekend, you know. Uh, hypostatic Union. Woo! Like it's, yeah. Yeah, it describes, uh, but it, it describes Christ coming in the flesh. Like he's, he's fully God and he's fully man. Hypostatic Union. It's the union between God and man. It's 100% God, 100% man. And, and we'll discuss the, the immense importance of this uh, hypostatic union in a bit. But let me uh, sum it up in, in one verse. Romans 5.8 said, But God shows up his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Christ died for us. Christ. He took our nature, stepped into flesh, became man, and yet was fully God. And he died in our place for us. The hypostatic union, is, it's this mystery of him right, who was from the beginning stepping into humanity and that person who is Jesus the Christ. So let's continue our journey through the letter of 1 John as we're in this series in 1 John. So this is the, that heresy or that false teaching that John is attempting to correct or attempting to bring, uh, attempting to bring warning about. Uh, they love this, uh, uh, this special relationship, the, the Gnostics. They, they, they loved the special relationship they had with God. They loved being uh, enlightened, right? Their spirit being made alive. What they didn't like, what, where they began to do this golden doodle uh, work on, on, the, on the faith was, was the flesh. Uh, the spirit was good. The flesh was bad. So I can do whatever I want with my body, right? Do, m- maybe you're like me and you struggle with that sometimes. Like, like don't... I don't, I don't need to come under anything here because I still love the Lord. So I don't have to, to make you know, anything that I'm going to do with, with my flesh become obedient to, to Christ, right? But that's, the, that, that's where they were, they were getting, except to, to an uh, nth degree. So the spirit good, flesh bad, so I can do whatever I want with my body. It's bad anyway, right? I can treat others however I want. That's why earlier in this book, and, and again, John just keeps repeating, love one another, love one another. Because where they were getting off is like, it doesn't matter if I love you. It doesn't matter if I serve you because you're flesh. You don't matter. Like all that matters is spirit. And I'm, I'm enlightened and maybe one day you can be enlightened too. I have this spe- special relationship and maybe one day you can have this secret knowledge, a secret relationship with God too. So that was this, this stuff that he was correcting. I don't have to love others. I don't have to serve others. And John's saying, do not believe them. Beware. This is how you will know. This is how you'll know if they're false So read with me chapter 4. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. And now this phrase, from God, is is one that he's going to use throughout this section. And it it means it it finds its origin in God. It finds its origin in God or there's another place, right? There's like really two spirits. It finds its origin in God or finds its origin something that's not of God. So for many false, for many Buh, buh, buh. Do not, I'll just start over. Do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets had gone out into the world. By this, you know the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and is now in the world already. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are from the world, therefore they speak from the world. And the world listens to them. We are from God. 
Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. So let's pray. God, we pray uh, today that we would uh, hear your voice. God, as we open up your word, that we would, uh, you would reveal more and more of who you are. God, so today, we, uh, right now, we decide to, to set our hearts on you, set our minds on you, God, and just allow you to reveal yourself to us, uh, reveal your truth to us. In Jesus' name, amen. So why do we try, though? Why do we try to pick and choose you know, our, our Christianity? Let me, let me just suggest to you what I think. Um, I believe one fear in coming to Christ is the whole dying to self-concept. Like, so, so what do we do? We take things that we like from Christianity. Maybe I, I, I try to be more loving, and it, seems like, it really seems like a nice thing to do. Right? Maybe we, uh, we like the social aspect of church. Right? It's, it's kind of like a, a country club, but maybe it doesn't cost as much. So it's, it's kind of great. Um, it, or, or maybe it's, uh, I, I like the way it feels to give. Like, we give to the church, we give to orphans, like, I give to uh, the poor, and it just, it just makes me feel good. It makes me feel great. Like, the guy on the corner, I can, I can give, give some money, and it just makes me feel good to give, but uh, I still like to get, I use this, this phrase, and, and I don't think it's something I should use, because I'm too old, but turned up on the weekend. I still like to get turned up. Are the kids still doing that? Is that not, no? I'll check with Dalton. He's got his poll, something, No? Is that already gone? It's, anyway. I, li- I still like to have fun. I still like to do me on the weekend. Jesus, you can have that, that hour on Sunday morning. But the rest of the time, I, I like to get, I'm going to do it again. I like, I like, turned up. Maybe my faith doesn't change the way I treat people. Right? Maybe uh, during the week at work or, or in my relationships, I've, I've compartmentalized my faith. So Jesus, you, you can stay out of my job, stay out of the way I talk to people, right? Stay away from my, my free time. That's, that's the, the me time. Stay away from my interests. I'll see you on Sunday, 11 o'clock, maybe, right? So we, we do that. We like to compartmentalize uh, our, our faith and our, our Christianity. It's like, that's, that's for church. Like, I, I'm a different person at church than I am at home. I'm a different person at church than I'm at work. The guys at work, they'll, they'll, they'd never believe that I was a, a Christian like if, if they really knew. Because like, my life doesn't look like it. Like, the, the fruit of my life is not uh, that I'm a follower of Christ. And Here's the unfortunate lie that we're believing. Like, you don't have to sacrifice who you are. His desire is not that you uh, become something else. It's, it's that you become more of who you are. Right? He wants you to be you-ier. He wants you to be more like you. In looking more like him, you actually look more like you. In looking more like Jesus, you actually look like the way he intended you to look in the first place. Do you think for a second that he designed you, that he formed you, that he knit you together in your mother's womb with unique temperaments, right, desires, passions, talents, giftings, right? So when you would come out that you'd be this colorless, odorless, tasteless version singing, humming kumbaya all the time, just like that's, that's some way we feel like, well, if I come to Christ, like I'm going to, I got to be this boring person. So Jesus can have my Sunday, but, but leave, leave the rest of my life alone. 
I, I believe the lie that all of me has to die on that altar of, of sacrifice. But the truth is, Christ, he, he may be the head, but he calls us the body. He calls us the body, part of his body, where he's the head. And each of us, there's many members, and each of us have a different role, a different function to play, where he uses your unique gifts, your unique talents, your unique temperaments and giftings, right, to support the body. And he did it on purpose. This is what I tell my kids a lot. You're created on purpose and for a purpose. They're on the front row, so I thought I might as well call them. You are created on purpose and for a purpose. Right? He, he didn't uh, make a mistake. He didn't think, oh, why did I give them this temperament or this uh, passion or this desire? Like he, he wants actually to make you more like you. But sin, it entered the equation back in the book of beginnings, right? Back in Genesis. And it distorts and it taints that image. So we're, we're made in the image of God. But it's perverted, it's distorted, it's tainted because of sin. And you coming alive in Christ and reflecting him in your life actually is a celebration of everything he intended and created you and crafted you to be. He loves you and he is for you. I, I just can imagine how much it, it must really shatter his heart to see people who, who come to faith and then try to be something that he never intended. They're, they're trying to, to do the, the, this work. They're trying to work it up and, and uh, change themselves. And, and he's like, no, I, like, I, I created you. And I, want, I actually want, I like you. I did it on purpose. Now there's some things that need to go away. Like there's some things that, you, that have been distorted. It's not clear. It's, it's, it's uh, distorted and perverted because of sin. But the, the you is there. I just want to make you you. So you reflecting me and imitating me actually makes you more like you. So John is saying, hey, beloved, don't believe. Don't be fooled. Don't believe every spirit, but test them. Test the spirits. Well, what is a spirit? Well, there's really only two, right? One is is from God and the other is, is not, right? It's the Antichrist, Christ, Antichrist. Spirit of God, not of God. One brings life and the other brings death. Now the one that is holy is, is of God, but one that is not holy, it manifests itself right in different ways. We actually, we're familiar with this. We use this quite often. We, we, we talk about people who are a wild spirit, right? Or they, they've got a mean spirit or man, he's just mean spirited. There's a... Um, in, in uh, North Carolina, there was these, uh, this phrase that they would use for, for kids that were kind of wild and had a lot of energy, probably just boys, I don't know. But they'd say, oh, he's wide open, that Dalton, he's wide. That's what they, they might say of him, I don't know. He's wide open, you know. So, so we, we're familiar with that. We, we know that, that people exhibit different spirits and, uh, and we say that, man, they're just, they just got a peaceful spirit. They just got a joyful spirit. But here, John, in, in verse 4, he assures them that the spirit that is in them is greater than the spirit that is in the world. The spirit of God that is in you is greater than he, the Antichrist that is in the world. He who is in you is greater. So how do you test them? What's the spirit? How do you test them? Test the spirits. Like people often will, will, will say, Josh, you, you talk about hearing the voice of God. 
that you hear the voice of God, that uh, you talk about other people hearing the voice of God, and, and uh, with, with a, a genuine question and a genuine concern. It's like, I've, I've never heard the voice of God. And they're, they're, they're saying that because they want to. They want to hear the voice of God, and they're not hearing the voice of God. So the, the, it's an actual question. You know, some people are, might be accusative, like you say you hear the voice of God, blah, blah, blah. but most people, they're saying it because they want to hear the voice of God. And maybe that's your question today. Like, I want to hear the voice of God. You say you hear the voice of God, you, you tell stories of hearing the voice of God. What does that look like? And um, my first response is usually this, how often do you read the Bible? How, how familiar are you with, with the scriptures? Um, how much of, of the word do you get in you? And this might seem like a, this might seem like a, just a dismissive answer or like a really trite answer, but I can assure you it's not. Let me, let me give you an example. My wife hates this. I keep looking over there because she's there, but, um, and because she's gorgeous, like there's a couple of reasons, but um, where was I? She's distracting me. Um, so let me, uh, the, the example I want to give is this. Uh, my kids will be in a park. They'll be in a store. Uh, they'll be any distance away, and I will, I will whistle. I have a, a whistle that I do, and they, they, they turn. Their heads pop up, and they're like, Dad's calling me, right? Or we have multi-levels in our house, and it's whistle, yeah! You know, they're yelling at me from, from wherever, but I'm able to call, and I don't have to, I don't have to yell. I'm not going to remember their name anyway. There's six of them. Like, so I'm going to call them by, you know, the, by the dog, by something, you know, by my fifth-grade best friend. I don't know. Like I, I call every name in the book, but uh, never their name. So the whistle's just easier. And, and they, they know it, right? They know it. And so they, they pop their head up and they're like, yes, uh, dad's calling me. Um, Jen will pop her head up because she, she knows that I'm calling. And it's not this misogynistic thing. Like I, I can assure you, there's no mean spirit. I'm not whistling and making them do my bidding. I'm whistling because the frequency cuts through. Like where my voice couldn't. I could yell at them all day long and they wouldn't hear a thing. It wouldn't cut through. But that whistle, they know it's dad. They know I'm calling. Every once in a while, they'll get a hold of her phone, my kids, and they'll uh, send a text. And I'm like, yeah, it's not Jen. That's not Jen. No, I'm not bringing home ice cream. Like, you know, like, like it's just, I, I know it's not Jen. And it's because I know Jen. I talk with her. She, she texts me. And sometimes I have to make sure, is that Jen? Because I got to keep my response PG because 20 years, like we're, we're doing good. Um, so like, but, but I know Jen, right? I know Jen. And so I know it's not her. That's what I'm talking about when I say, do you know the word? Are you in scripture? Because the word talks about who God is, what he said, his character, his attributes. That's not a fun, that wasn't a joke. That wasn't a jo- his attributes, everything he, everything he is, the things that he's done, that is what uh, you learn by getting into the word. Right, we, we learn who God is by getting into his word. So when you say, uh, I, I've, I've never heard God's voice. That's why I'm, that's, that's why, that's my first question. Um, if it's, if it's, man, I, I'm in the word all the time. I know the word. Uh, then we got a different route to take. Oh, you're not hearing the voice of God. Okay, let's look somewhere else. But, but if you're like, I'm not hearing the voice of God and I don't know what his word says and I, I never read my Bible. Well, of course you don't know because you don't know what his, his voice sounds like. So if you're not hearing the voice of God, get to know God. Get to know what his voice sounds like. He's speaking, I can assure you. I truly believe and I know that God is speaking all the time. 
His thoughts toward you are more numerous than the grains of sand on the seashore. Right? He knows your thoughts before you think them. He knows you inside and out. He knit you and formed you in your mother's womb. He knows you. And we can know his voice. We can hear his voice. He's speaking. But if you don't know what it sounds like, it's going to be hard to hear. So test number one, does it line up with what he has already said? This is my test. Who he is, his character, his attributes. If it's not, it's not him speaking. Because he doesn't change. He'll never change. He doesn't go against who he is and what he's already said. Recently, I had someone come up to me and explain to me how the world was going to end. They further explained to me my part, my role that I was going to play in it. And uh, without, without going into details, I can assure you that it was not from the Lord. Like they were just a, a, a smidge off. And, uh, you know, as far as I can uh, tell, they, they were genuine in their um, sharing of it. But when I told them, that, well, that's, I know that's not, I know that's not right because it doesn't line up with the, the scripture. Like, like, like we, we can stop here because it's like, it's not what God says. It's not what, it doesn't line up with him at all. It's not, that's not God. I said, well, the Bible's wrong. Yeah, I'm going to go with the Bible. Well, you'll see. I, okay. Like, I'm still going to, I'm going to go. So like we have this, this test, like, does it line up with scripture? How do you know? Does it line up with his word? 2 Timothy 3.16 says this, All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. All scripture, another version will say, is inspired by God. All scripture is God-breathed. It's breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, and for training in righteousness. Get to know his word and you'll get to know God. Get to know his word and you'll get to know what his voice sounds like. So when he speaks, you'll hear it. It's a frequency that will cut through all the noise and you'll be able to hear him clearly. Test number two, many times it, it will confirm what the Lord has already been speaking. So if somebody comes up to you and gives you, uh, you know, a word from the Lord, is, is it confirming that thing that God has already been dealing with you about? Like, and it doesn't always have to be another person. Sometimes it's a line in a movie. Like you're, you're sitting there in the, the scene and the line in the movie, and it's just the words are weightier than they've ever been. Like it shouldn't be. It's not the, it, 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 it just doesn't make sense, but that, that, that just flies off the page and you're like, or off the screen and you're like, oh. That's God. I just feel like it's God speaking to me because it's already, it's confirming what he's already been doing in, in, my, in my heart. Maybe it's a, a song lyric or, or uh, maybe it's you're just, you're out in nature and his creation just begins to, to speak to you. There's a dream. There's so many ways that God will confirm what he's already been speaking to you that is not, that it is outside of, right, a, a church service. It's outside of, of his word, but back to test number one, does it line up with his word? So if I, hear that, that phrase in the movie, and I just go run with it, say, okay, wait a second, is it God? Does it line up with his word? Test two, revert to test one. God speaks in different ways through different means, but he never compromises who he is. Second Peter chapter two, verse 15, forsaking the right way, they had gone astray, and maybe familiar with this story, they followed the way of, of Balaam, the son of Beor, who loved gain from wrongdoing, but was rebuked for his own transgressions. A speechless donkey spoke with a human voice and restrained the prophet's madness. Most donkeys are speechless, except for their hee-haw. Um, their guffaw, right? I saw that the other day, the donkey's guffaw, so I had to look up guffaw. But <clears throat> look it up. Go ahead, take your time. <laughs> so 
but the, the King James version of this probably puts it in a little more perspective because um, it doesn't say donkey. Uh, it says uh, dumb, uh, speechless, uh, dumb donkey. Uh, but so if God will speak through a dumb donkey, God can speak through anything, right? But again, test two, revert back to test one. Does it line up with his, his word? Test number three, can I bring it to some trusted leaders, right? Who, they, they, they've been tested. They've been proven. Their lives uh, bear the fruit of a relationship with God. And Jesus actually used this test. He had this test for false teachers. And in Matthew 7, verse 15 and 16, beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? I heard a, a pastor uh, use this concept one time. He said, what do you get when you squeeze a Christian? What should you get? Right, you should get the fruits of the Spirit in nine delicious flavors. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Like You should get that, the fruit of the Spirit when, when we're squeezed, when we're tested, when that person at the stoplight doesn't go and the light turns green because they're on their phone and they're still checking their Facebook or sending that text and you're like, go. Ah, no, just me. Okay. So did you respond with love, joy, patience, kindness? Were you, did, did you uh, exhibit self-control? You know, when you're squeezed, when, when, when that, that test comes and, uh, you know, what, it, what comes out of your life? In that moment, is it love? Is it joy? How do you respond? Am I gentle to the person that I disagree with? Do I, do I show self-control? Do people see that kindness and goodness and, and faithfulness in my life and in my actions? The Didache, which is a, it's an early church writing, um, and it, it literally means teaching. So it's, this book is the, the teaching of the 12 apostles. Um, that the, uh, Didache, chapter 11, verse 12, it says this, Not everyone who speaks in a spirit, or the spirit, um, is a prophet. He's only a prophet if he walks in the ways of the Lord. So they, they took that, that, that Jesus, beware of false teachers, and, and they uh, added it to their teachings and their writings. They said, not everyone who speaks in the spirit, watch out. There's, there's these, these ones that are, uh, Jesus' words, ravenous wolves, right? They're, they're walking around in sheep's clothing, but they're really ravenous wolves. And uh, he's only a prophet if he walks in the ways of the Lord. Um, so that's my test. That's Jesus' test. My test was, does it line up with Scripture, right? Does it con confirm what God's already been speaking to you? And have you ran it by some trusted leaders and, uh, whose, whose lives uh, bear fruit of being a, a walking with Jesus? And we've heard Jesus' test. What is the fruit of their life? Are they walking in the ways of the Lord? Now let's look at our text today in, in 1 John. Um, and it's safe to say that John would sum up this Christian belief in one verse. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, John 1, 14. Right, that is why he writes here in, in 1 John 4, by this you will know. What's his test? By this you will know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. This is that heresy or that false teaching that spurred this letter that John is writing. They didn't believe that Jesus was essential. They didn't believe that he had come in the flesh. They believed that spirit's good and flesh is bad, so Jesus coming in the flesh could never happen. So John says this, number one, to be from God, you must acknowledge that Jesus is the Christ, that he's the Messiah. Number one, that Jesus is the Christ. If you don't start here, then Jesus, he isn't the center of history. 
Right? If you don't start here, Jesus isn't the fulfillment of all the promises of God. Right? The Jewish people have clung to this promised Messiah, right? the hope of humanity. Right? He's, he's going to do what the first Adam was unable to do. The first Adam was, was, was created by God in his image and yet was tempted and fell. He sinned. Jesus is often referred to as the, the second Adam, who steps into humanity, steps into the image of man, and yet is without sin. If Jesus isn't king, if he isn't the Christ, if he isn't the Messiah, then his sacrifice is meaningless. And he isn't seated on the throne. Right? And he isn't reigning as king. Right? Jesus is essential. So John is, is writing this to, as, as, this is the test, this is the, the warning. If they're teaching any other than that Jesus, they're false. Right? The truth is not in them, and they're being used to represent the Antichrist, right? the, the, the spirit that wants to still, to heal, and destroy. John 10.10 10 says this, the thief, the spirit of the Antichrist, the one that's not from God, the thief comes only to still kill and destroy, but I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. See, it's either life or death. One brings life and one brings death. By this you will know, number one, Jesus is the Christ. He is the Messiah. He is the promised Messiah. Number two, that he has come in the flesh. To be from God, a spirit must acknowledge that Jesus has come in the flesh. And this is what the Gnostic heresy that John is addressing here would not accept. Right? Physical matter, flesh, Right, it's bad. So this, this real incarnation, this Jesus coming and, and putting skin on, you know, humbling himself, stepping down into humanity, being born in the flesh, that was inconceivable. Right, that was impossible in their minds. It was, God could never become flesh. He would never do that. And it, it, it would be Augustine. He's a, this fourth century uh, theologian that would say this, that in all of the pagan philosophies, that, he, that he, he looked at, he could find parallels for everything in the New Testament, except for this one line. The word became flesh. Think about it. Jesus could never be our example. Him coming in the flesh is essential. He could never be our example and say this, uh, do as I do. How do we live? We, we follow him and what he did. Because we, we could just easily explain it away. We could say, well, he's Jesus, of course. Of course he's able to serve, and of course he's able to, to love, and of course he's able to forgive, even when he's on the cross and he's being beaten and whipped. And of course he's able to forgive. God, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. I couldn't do that. But he could do that because he's Jesus. And so we, we strip his humanity, and we say it's because he was Jesus. But him coming in the flesh is essential. The fact that he was able to do that in spite of the shame the fact that he's able to do that in spite of the pain was because he came in the flesh. He is our example. He faced every temptation, every lust, every hunger, every human desire, yet without sin. 1 Peter 2, starting in verse 21, says this, For this you've been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example, so that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin, neither was deceit, found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to the one who judges justly. Oh man, if we could just grab that. God, I entrust myself to you. You judge justly. You defend. I don't have to defend myself. I don't have to 
Like I can forgive because God, you forgave. So I entrust myself to the one who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. By his wounds in the flesh, you have been set free. By his wounds in the flesh, you have salvation. Right? He could never be our high priest, like the one who passed through the heavens, that opened the way to the Father. Because he, he didn't stay dead. He was resurrected because the sin wasn't his. It was ours. He died sinless. And so death had no claim. Death had no hold. Sin had no hold on him. So that was the power of the resurrection. And because of that, we have a high priest who opened the heavens for us in Hebrews 4. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence, as we're about to do in a few moments, draw near to the throne of grace that we receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. See, Jesus could never be our savior if he didn't come in the flesh. But he came to seek and save that which was lost, you and I. It's the most important thing, of what most important is that he came in the flesh. So John is saying, you believe that he's the Christ, believe that he came in the flesh. It's essential. That hypostatic union, 100% God, 100% man, coming in the flesh. It's not, a, it's not this golden doodle faith. It's not, it's not 50% God and 50% man. It's that hypostatic union is, is him being fully God and him being fully man and coming in the flesh, so you and I can have a real relationship. You and I can have a real union with God. If the body and the flesh is bad, then the Spirit of God could never indwell you. And yet it says that's where he makes his home. If you put your faith in, in Jesus, he puts his Spirit in you. He lives in you. That's why we use that phrase. It's not necessarily theologically correct. We've accepted Jesus into our hearts. Right? It's, it's maybe a, an easy way to, to, to say it, to grab a hold of it, but you know, his spirit lives inside of us. When we put our faith in Christ, you can have a real relationship with God because he came in the flesh. God said this. He said, let's make man in our image back in, in Genesis. And they had this union, this relationship with God, but sin corrupted that. It perverted that. It disrupted that and severed that, that union and that relationship. And that's what sin does for us, right? It distorts that image. It just distorts the flesh. And Jesus actually, he dignified the flesh by putting it on in order that you and I might have life. The word became flesh and dwelt among us, right? God dignifies the flesh so much so that, that Jesus put that skin on. He steps into humanity, that hypostatic union, fully God, fully man, in order that you and I might be restored to that, that relationship. Last thing, Jesus said this speaking of his death and resurrection. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go away, I will send him to you. Jesus coming in the flesh is essential. And John is writing to his beloved, to his children. Christ coming in the flesh is of utmost importance. Christ being the king, the Messiah that's on the throne, ruling and reigning, that's, that's essential. And Jesus said, I go away that I'm sending you my spirit, that he would dwell inside you.
It's better that I go away. It's to your benefit that I go away. Let's pray. God, we thank you that we don't have to have a, um, a golden doodle faith for fear of losing our life. But God, you will come in and you will restore to us who we were meant to be 100%. The more we reflect to you, the more we reflect who you created us to be. So God, we, we surrender to you. God, we want to lay down our, our desires and, and, and everything that we've, we've added to. God, we wanted that flat coat. We wanted the hypoallergenic. And, and so we, we, we've, we've made it a faith that works for us. But it's not your best. So God, we lay, we lay down our, our, our religion. We lay down uh, the, those uh, things that we've, we've picked up along the way. And God, we want to walk in everything that you have for us. God, would you speak to us? May we get to know you uh, by reading your word and knowing who you are and how you speak so that we can know how to live in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining with us today. We would love to pray for you and make a connection with you. So please check out the Church at Home page at rendicator.org. Here you can ask questions, request prayer, find past messages and podcasts, or support Renaissance through online giving. We can't wait to hear from you. 